it's me, the Geordie Prince, and I'm back, better than ever, and here to welcome you to episode 94 of Crypto Weekly. In continued bluster from the Democratic Party, impeachment proceedings are continuing. The absolute state of modern political theatre. This week in the crypto news, though. Matic loses 70% of its value in an hour. Ethereum got a hard fork update. An exploit is found in MakerDAO that could allow one to turn $20 million into $340 million. And Binance could be purchasing a bank, though they are denying it. All this and more on this week's Crypto Weekly. I'm joined in the studio by... The Geordie Prince making his glorious return. Hello. I hope you're feeling a lot better this evening, my friend. I'm feeling worlds better. Thank you, Ken. Um, can we confirm or deny that it was linked to your No Not November exploits? All I'll say is that we're officially in Destroy Dick December, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent news. Mr. Crypto Beak. Bonjour, Ken. How are you doing, my friend? Uh, neutral. Excellent news. I'm very glad to hear you're as chipper as neutral. <laughs> Dr. P. Money. Howdy. Are you well? I am very well, thank you. And I know you didn't ask, but uh, Beak has treated me to an espresso martini this evening, which was delicious. Everyone else, I believe, are on Clockwork Tangerines. An excellent play on the cult classic Clockwork Orange. They are quite delicious. Bitcoin Buble could not be with us. He is busy in Budapest. But it's time to get started with the news. First things first this week, as people cry tears of blood all over crypto Twitter, as Matic loses 70% of its value in an hour, the coin made famous by the Binance IEOs, and also famous on this podcast for purchasing one of our listeners a new pair of titties for his wife. It's a true crypto success story, Ken. Exactly. Before we get into the story, can somebody explain what Matic is? Ah, uh, it's crypto, P-Money. You've been here long enough to know that it doesn't matter what it does. I think okay. it's a layer two scaling meme, and they had a bit of a gaming meme as well. It's basically hitting off buzzwords over an extended period of time to pump the price up. Because yeah, okay, so it's layer two scaling for Ethereum that, I'd, as far as I know, hasn't been built yet, but you don't worry about that. Okay, but didn't Ethereum just fix the scaling issue? Well, we'll come to that later. <laughs> Ooh, okay, all right. So, Matic has been pumping all year, especially pumping since the beginning of October, where it, it skyrocketed up like 400% for the year. And then, would you believe it, it didn't continue. It crashed 70% in one hour uh, yesterday, 9th of December. All the people who are holding it, obviously, are incredibly butthurt and trying to think of the reason that it might have dumped when they bought it at like 5x what it was three months ago morons so there are two theories theory number one the dump started people found out some information that the team's tokens the tokens that the team got from the ieo were released sent to binance this uh caused everyone to dump it further everyone panicked got out of there 
trading normally. The team didn't actually spend any tokens, sell any. It was completely standard. It's just the panic surrounding them, uh, a mix of the price going down a little and this information coming out. The other theory is that the team released these tokens, dumped them all on Binance, started the panic. Obviously, once there's panic, everyone in crypto is going to do their bollocks. They're going to spend all their crypto, sell it into whatever other meme coin, and that crashed the price. So basically, the two sides of the argument. One side, the team, CZ, Binance say, oh, it's all completely natural. Like there were a couple of big traders who made a poor choice and it crashed the market, nothing to do with us. Then all the butthurt hodlers who were saying, the team dumped on us, we got wrecked. It's a great <laughs> token, but we got wrecked. So a key part of the argument on both sides seems to be a tweet that someone made. Some fucking crypto Twitter dickhead tweeted that 15% of all the tokens had been released to the team or were being sent to Binance. Now that is a huge over-exaggeration. A small amount, I think it's like 1% or something, were released. That was part of the scheduled unlocking of tokens. Uh, the tokens were vested from the IEO at a certain point in time. The team could get hold of the tokens, sell them, do whatever they wanted with them. This guy over-exaggerated how much were being sent to Binance and that one side says that that caused panic. The other side says that that went to Binance and dumped the price. Uh, CZ is obviously completely on board with Matics. It's one of his IEOs. He's been on Twitter saying he investigated it and it was just some traders, etc. But the key point is a load of people got wrecked because they FOMO'd into some shitcoin. And the people who've been holding it for a while actually are doing fine because even after this 70% dump, it's still up 15% this month. <laughs> Very reminiscent of 2017. What a year that was to be alive in, Aiken. If only I'd purchased more crypto, eh? Oh, 15% return in a month. It'll take me like three years to get a Lambo at that rate, mate. <sighs> yeah. I know we've probably talked about this in the past, but Matic is adding features on top of it's, it's as a layer two solution it's basically building on top of ethereum right if yeah. if matic does a really really good job at solving scaling issues that ethereum has why wouldn't the ethereum devs build it into ethereum if these if these products are solving scaling issues why would the core product that they're trying to enhance not just build those in to their existing ecosystem. Yeah, so I think all of these second layer scaling solution memes that have come out since like 2017 on Ethereum have been they're trying to front run Ethereum solving the problem and gain adoption. Right. Before Ethereum actually addressed it. So all they do basically is have a like a more centralized EOS type solution. Yeah. Build that on top of Ethereum. And then there was a big rush to try and get loads of people onto the platforms. Yeah. None of them basically worked. Matic came out late. And I mean, at that point, I didn't even really look into it because another shitty second layer solution when ETH2 is around the corner. But yeah, I think you're pretty much right. There's, I think they had to gain adoption very quickly or they're just going to be overtaken by ETH. And yeah, the Matic, I, don't, I think most people who bought Matic in the last three months don't know or care what it is. 
They're like, oh, the ascending wedge is going to struggle to be broken or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, technical analysis doesn't account for when someone sells loads out the blue. Right. Get wrecked, John Bollinger. Yeah. So I saw um, CZ tweet, and what I thought was interesting is right at the end. So obviously he said, as you mentioned, Beak, a number of big traders panicked, causing a cycle of selling. The last sentence reads, going to be a tough call on how much an exchange should interfere with people's trading. Which I thought was pretty ominous. Uh, Do we think that he's suggesting or contemplating whether uh, Binance could have stopped people's sell orders when they saw this like catastrophic dump in the price of this token they're associated with? So I think what he was getting at there is that loads of people were blaming Binance because they're partnered with Matic to a degree. Like, they launched them through the IEO, they put the name behind Matic. It's like, them Binance sort of partners. When it dumped, they were like, what a scam, this is a scam. Binance, what will you do about this? Uh, okay. You've let us get screwed, Caesar! <laughs> and um, I think I what I read it as was him saying, like, I don't think there's a lot we can do as an exchange in this situation. Oh, okay. So you might be going the angle of like, you're you're asking by by moaning that way, you're basically asking me to interfere directly with your trading. That's how I understood it. Okay, so interesting. That's how I, th- or at least I thought that's the gist of it. But also, I believe you could leverage Trainmatic on Binance, which undoubtedly led to the huge pump and then huge dump is okay. people having over leveraged positions i would guess yeah uh but yeah i think that he's saying that he doesn't want to interfere gotcha okay okay i think i will i personally i think that's encouraging in that case because it would be a bit mental if sudden if you want to sell the token you have on binance yeah. and cz was like actually this has decreased a lot in value recently so you're just gonna have to hang on to that for a while big guy yeah for real we move from a potential layer two scaling solution of Ethereum through to news that it may have already happened, as Ethereum was hard forked today and received the Istanbul update. And along with it came an EIP that would improve transaction speeds up to 3,000 transactions per second. To put that into perspective, Visa apparently on aggregate transacts 2,000 transactions per second. But is that what they're able to handle, or is that probably their average not? That is their average. Right. So I think. Um, the Prince and I were talking before the show and that um, 10,000 is the figure that's been bandied about. I'm sure I've heard as high as 10,000. Mm, yeah, so obviously Visa can probably deal with peaks of somewhat higher than 2,000 transactions per second. But, I mean, it's a step in the right direction for mm. sure. It's through a system called ZK Syncing, apparently. Can anyone uh, give me a little bit more information on that? Yeah, I guess, if you want, Ken. Pretty sure you had this one covered, but... Uh yeah sure so it's the layer 2 scaling solution but all the funds are capped on layer 1 i.e. Ethereum the computation and storage is done off chain money kept on chain synced with the main chain as the same or apparently more security than Ethereum obviously you can uh, form transactions much quicker get instant or pretty close to instant confirmation all good stuff can, you know. That's sounding delightful, my friend. And I believe it adds some privacy in as well. Yeah, it's so it 
allows the uh, it like integrates some of the Zcash functionality and maybe allows some kind of atomic swap or some shit with Zcash and which might be cool, I guess, if you care. But I think the key point is does seem to be the scalability. It's like a layer two solution that keeps layer one security and decentralization, but adds more transactions per second. They reckon it's going to be 2,000 per second straight away, like immediately, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty nutty. And that's without sacrificing decentralization. So they claim. Okay. I mean, yeah, it's like I, I don't understand it well enough to be able to break it down further than what I've read people tell me. But yeah, the so the funds stay on-chain. They do computation, all that stuff on off-chain. But it's, yeah, synced with the main chain. They think that... I read in one of the articles that they say it will be... It would be more expensive to, like, double spend using this system than it would be using the 32 confirmations that Coinbase usually asks for. Okay. How, like, I can't really verify that. I don't... This just what some... One of the guys who were working on this ZK Sync said. So not too sure how true that is, but that's the general idea behind it is that it has the same security, decentralization, all the benefits of the Ethereum layer one with added speed, things like that. So obviously a loads of complications that I would encourage everyone to go and read about because I feel like I am not the man to break it down succinctly in the next one minute. But yeah, there's going to be pros and cons to it, obviously, but so far it seems, or it sounds at least, are moving uh, the right direction, but I'd be very hesitant to be like, yeah, this is it, this is the silver bullet, because we've done that a lot in crypto, and it rarely has been the silver bullet. That said, it does sound like it absolutely destroys Plasma, which is pretty big. Some other nuggets from the Istanbul update. We have... Another EIP that allows further interoperability between Ethereum and Zcash, which apparently makes it easier to run a Blake2B hash function. Oh, cool. You can run Blake2B. That's pretty cool. Oh, amazing. Uh, something that will actually affect people day to day is that the gas cost of call data to the uh, Ethereum network has been reduced from 68 gas per byte to a measly 16 gas per byte. So you are probably going to see cheaper gas prices on the whole. And there's there's a bunch of other good stuff, and I suggest you read up on it, but there's nothing else that I'm going to highlight here that you would probably be interested in, listener. So I've just did a quick bit of reading whilst you guys were chatting about um, ZK Sync. And now you're an expert? <clears throat> I'm definitely an expert in the 30 <laughs> seconds I've spent reading it. But uh, one of the interesting things is that they have what they're calling uh, instant transactions, which... I guess anything that claims to be an instant transaction must be giving up something. Yeah. Um, so we see this across a load of different projects where they, they give up decentralization in favor of speed. Um, so the way that they allow what they call instant transaction receipts is that they have validators like they have on other networks. Validators are elected to participate uh, in block production, but they have to post a significant security bond to the sync smart contract on mainnet and then consensus is run by the validators providing sub-second confirmation 
Um, so basically, a, a, a delegated validator becomes a centralized party in giving the those sub-second uh, confirmations. And then presumably off the back of that later on, the transactions are validated by the consensus of the main network. And if they're not, the person who posted the bond loses their bond. This is from a company called Matter Labs, who are actually, uh, appear to be the people that um, built ZK Sync as a, as a concept on the Ethereum network. Does anyone know the relationship between Matter Labs and Ethereum Core Dev? Yeah, so they said they were looking to like build their own layer one solution initially, I believe. Okay. But then realized that like they didn't need to, they couldn't compete with Ethereum, so they just tried to improve Ethereum, got funded by... Right. Yeah. So, so going back to what I mentioned earlier about Matic, yeah, this seems to be the what I would deem to be the correct way about improving improving Ethereum. Don't, yeah, don't try and build a token to fund your development of a of a service that depends on Ethereum that Ethereum could just quite easily adopt as part of their core product. Yeah, I, I understand that there's a difference between the layer one and the layer two kind of aspects of doing the work. Because in order for it to be layer one, it has to be folded into the Ethereum code base. Layer two doesn't require it to be part of the Ethereum code base. But that said, these guys seem to have solved the problem and made money off the back of solving it whilst building it into the core product. Yeah, hopefully they've solved the problem. I guess uh, it'll take a while before we see people actually starting to use this stuff. Mm. I don't think it makes the whole... As far as I know, I don't think it makes like... The whole Ethereum network suddenly run at uh, two thousand transactions per second. I think you you've got to implement some stuff to actually use this new. Oh yeah, you don't just get it for free. Yeah, so it's not like your favorite DAP now is going to tr- handle two thousand transactions per second, as far as I understand it. But the potential could be there. Does anyone here have a spare twenty million dollars? P money? Uh, well, it depends. I'm listening. No, I'm listening. <laughs> nice. Well, well, do you want to turn it into $340 million, big guy? The prince has taken the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah, no, I'm interested. An I'm exploit interested. been found in MakerDAO that suggests anyone who can control $20 million worth of the token can get a hold of the rest of them. Yeah. Well, $40 million. Oh, is it $40 million dues? We'll run through the 40 versus 20, but the gist of it is that Maker uses what this nerd called Mika Zoltu, who's a real top-tier ultra-nerd. He helped write the maybe the Auger white paper, general Ethereum mega-nerd. He wrote a Medium article talking about this uh, vulnerability in the Maker DAO system, and he basically said that 40 million... If you invest 40 million, you could steal all the collateral in MakerDAO uh, universe. Like off MakerDAO, off all the stuff that's built on it, you could nick all the collateral and take your 40 mil. The reason for this, he says, is that Maker use something that he calls a stake the leader system, which basically means that people stake Maker onto a contract. Their contract with the most Maker is. I think they call it an executive contract. That basically has all the power to run any functions it wants to. It effectively has total control over the MakerDAO system. Currently, this executive contract uh, has 80,000 Maker staked on it, which is about $40 million. He's saying that if you had more than that, 
you could fire up your own executive contract, put all this money on, and you could do whatever you wanted, basically, on, on the maker system. You could steal all the collateral, you could fuck up the whole system, you could invest 41 million or whatever and steal the 320 million that's currently collateralizing this whole system. Now, the way Maker protects against this is that they have a delay. So if one of these executive Billy Big Ball contracts takes over from another, there's a delay so that everyone in the whole network can have a look, see whether they think it's a good idea, they can stake to the contract they think is the one, the right one and stop the baddies from getting it. But at the moment, that delay is set to zero seconds in the code. So right now, there'd be no delay if some fucking billionaire supervillain was like, I'm just going to screw over all these bag holders with this must spare 50 million. They could do it. It would happen immediately. They could immediately be firing up uh, transactions and fucking up the network. Now, obviously, this is quite tricky. And a major argument that people have had against it is that it'd be tough to buy up 8% of all the maker in circulation without... A, alerting people to the fact that you were looking to do something like this. Uh, B, pushing the price up hugely to make it unaffordable. Um, and that that was part of what, they, what they're relying on for people not to do it. However, this guy's made a pretty good argument and it seems that they're going to push through a change to create a 24-hour delay. I think they're already voting on it or they've proposed it. He apparently told them about this for months and they'd ignored him. Now he's written a Medium article. Everyone's frothing about it on Twitter. The Maker Foundation or whatever they're called are now going to try and address it. Have a 24-hour delay, which should allow them... Because Maker... It's actually pretty terrifying that the Maker Foundation already own more than 8%. So they could do this themselves if they wanted. Uh, A16Z... And Andreessen Horowitz or whatever they're called, their crypto fund has a decent chunk, not 8%, but they could potentially collaborate with a few of the big holders and they could maybe do this. So it is, it does seem like a real risk, but they're trying to address it. They're going to add in a 24-hour delay so that if some you know, big shot, evil big shot came in, they'd be able to stake to the correct executive contract and save the day in that. The only bit I'm not um, buying of that is that if some if one individual start to buy up twenty to forty million dollars worth of MakerDAO, that the community would instantly recognise them as a uh, nefarious party and like that like first of all nobody knew this was even possible apart from this guy and maybe maybe the MakerDAO Foundation because he told them. Not only that, so how would they how would they suspect somebody of being up to something that they didn't even know was possible? No, and so- also. The thing is, they, everyone knew it was possible. That's part of the design, is that the place that people stake them, the contract that has the most maker is the one that runs stuff. So you can like back it by staking your maker against it or whatever. And the foundation have enough in reserve that they could immediately add it to the, the correct one. Or people could just shut down the system. You know, as we've discussed before, if they think there's oh, there a bad a, actor that's like the kill switch, yeah. they could just fire it up. Yeah. So that is accounted for. It's the zero. It's like, he doesn't even really have a problem with that. I don't think that's the area of the system he's criticising, the fact that that could happen. 
he's just saying that it's all premised around there being some kind of delay where people, if they, as you say, if they missed them buying up a load of it or they managed to do it discreetly, that then once the contract was changing over, that definitely would alert people and give them the time to okay. act, whether it's pull the switch or come up with some other... You know, some of the situations. Yeah, yeah, I was being critical of the defense that says, oh, well, the, the community would instantly recognize uh, this well, guy is a bad actor. because yeah. he's bad. Whereas I think in reality, if there were, they would be absolutely frizzing at the, uh, yeah. at the gills for, for this huge surge in demand for MakerDAO and the accompanying price increase that they rightly say would happen if there was one actor just who just suddenly wanted to get their hands on that much of like 8% of all supply or whatever. So I'm not buying that for a second that there was already means and methods in place that would like prevent this from happening given that there is this is zero second delay once the contract, once they're in position to execute basically. Yeah, I mean it was, I don't think it's a great defense and but that was like that was their meme defense. Yeah. The twenty million dollar thing is that. So when there's like a a vote is proposed, maker can move from move from like one executive contract to another, whichever one they're voting to, and if you could time it at the point where the maker was migrating from one, because it doesn't go all in one at one go. Obviously, as people decide to vote on a change or whatever it go, this maker goes to a new contract a new executive contract and at some point it could be there could be less in the dominant contract so if you could time it during one of these votes or something you could do it even cheaper but right i mean I, I, like i don't know why i even really added that in that seems i guess that's a vulnerability but it kind of just muddies his whole point Obviously, the Maker Foundation do think it's something worth considering or something serious because despite them just, like, fobbing them off, they are making a change that looks like it's going to go through in the next week or so. Before we properly move on, I've received a breaking news story Ooh. from a Beatcord's own news source. And we hear that Nike of Chinese sweatshop fame <laughs> have applied for and been granted a patent to issue shoes on the blockchain. <laughs> the Ethereum blockchain in an effort to thwart counterfeiters, apparently. Mm. Whoa, so official wow. Nike shoes will be registered on the Ethereum blockchain. Counterfeit ones will apparently not. The classic can take. Nike shoes will not necessarily be registered on the blockchain. <laughs> Nike's got a patent to do it. We've been hearing about yeah, it for I a mean, while. I mean, not going to pa- get a patent and not do anything with no, it. No, no one's ever done that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we've been hearing about this project for a while, or it's been rumoured that everyone used to call it, or maybe still is calling it Crypto Kicks, and people were not sure whether it's real or not. But yeah, I'm looking at the patent right now. They're doing it. Nike have got, a, got the patent up and running. Hopefully they do something with it. And make us all super rich. Presumably, they're they're addressing the people that inadvertently purchase uh, fakes, right? Because the people that that consciously purchase fakes don't care that their shoes aren't on a blockchain, or the the ID number associated with their shoes is on a blockchain somewhere. They want to have massive like codes on it, so you can just scan it. If you see someone with some night trainers, be like. Yeah, they're fake, mate. What? So they're gonna have QR codes yeah. like, sewn into the. Yeah, to you the can logo. shame people if they were a fake yeah. one. Actually, that could catch on. I yeah. think. 
Got me thinking now, maybe we should counterfeit Nike's blockchain (laughs) 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 and produce some sweet trainers with some QR codes that go to our sweet counterfeit of Nike's blockchain. Nice. Just take the counterfeit into the next level. (laughs) We've come to the end of the news stories for this week, listener. However, before we move on, we would like to revisit a topic that... You may or may not have heard from last week's episode, depending on whether P-Money left it in or not. (laughs) And that was a chat about German banks being able to hold crypto from the new year in light of a negative interest world. The Prince Man was not here. We completely ruined talking about negative interest rates, and we would like him... To explain them now. Let me break it down for you, Prince, real quick, without a can take. <laughs> Next year, German banks will be able to hold crypto. They won't need a third party. They'll legally be able to uh, hold it. What do you call it? They'll be able to... Custody. Because they'll be able to, yeah. Uh, they're custodians of crypto. There also sounds like they're going to be able to sell it to retail consumers. In light of the negative interest rates in Germany... That is now affecting over a quarter of customers are getting these passed on to them. Uh, retail customers, over half of corporations. A, what effects will negative interest rates have on the economy as a whole? And B, could that affect demand for crypto or the market for crypto as a whole? Okay, I'm with you. There are only like one or two, maybe three situations we've observed negative interest rates one of which you've mentioned but when it's discussed in like economic or financial theory most of the time the first actor that's brought up is always a central bank and that is because negative interest rates before we actually observed them in reality were thought to be this theoretical last resort where a central bank facing a really, really slow economy and uh, in particular a deflationary environment would try to stimulate, to re-stimulate that economy by applying a negative interest rate to the deposits that commercial banks had at the central bank. So all the commercial banks hold deposits with the central bank and the central bank pays some small, typically small amount of interest on on those deposits to the commercial banks. But when when they when the central bank decides that they want that money pumped back into the the economy through loans to stimulate business and economic activity, they apply negative rates to those deposits, meaning effectively meaning they charge commercial banks to hold deposits at the central bank incentivizing those commercial banks to find different homes for it i.e loans in the economy so one of the things that i asked last week was why would a consumer put their money into a bank when it was when it would when it's giving negative interest rates right the the late the most extreme version of this that you'll see is what you're talking about is where um like retail bank accounts are being um having negative interest rates applied to them, which is pretty mental, but we have seen that in Germany, apparently. I had no idea it was a quarter of uh, retail bank holder, oh, bank okay. accounts, is that, right. is okay. that what you mentioned at the start there, B? A quarter of retail bank accounts being charged negative interest rates. That's mental. Um, but what 
I so like the sort of middle tier in between those two um, would be say, and this is this is definitely one of the most common ways in which we see negative interest rates applied in like the past few years is that government debt can often not often but has been seen to offer negative rates to investors so that that would happen when for example an investor buys a treasury bill which promises to pay a thousand dollars on maturity for an amount higher than a thousand dollars so if you buy this treasury bill for a thousand and ten dollars you've got yourself a negative one percent interest rate but why would i not just hold right in that situation yeah so there were a couple of um reasons from a retail investor's point of view, or the examples that, or the reasons that are typically given for doing this are that people expect um, deflation, so you are going to make a quote-unquote profit by not spending that money now, but getting a thousand dollars back at maturity, and then using having higher purchasing power with that thousand dollars in the future because prices have declined all that time. But, so you can buy more goods and services. But 1,010 now is still 1,010 in the future. Right. So you're right. In Why that, don't you keep it in cash? And do yeah. That? Yeah. That, that, the, these explanations don't, don't, for me, fully explain why okay. someone would still do that. The other reasons they suggest are also, like they also say that foreign investors are willing to do this if they are forex trading, basically. So if you expect a greater gain, to be achieved through an appreciation in the currency you're you're investing in to offset the the interest rate loss so that's that's pretty logical but there is still the question of why you would not just physically hold the cash and i think in terms of a retail level you would definitely be better off just doing that especially if it was an amount of one thousand dollars however i don't think that's the case when there when you get massive investors one because the, you won't necessarily have a bank that has sufficient appetite for the amount of cash that you want to hold, like because that's that's a liability on their balance sheet. So they right. simply might they might not allow you to deposit that much. And second, whereas the tre- if it was treasuries, say that were trading and it's offering a negative interest rate, treasuries it's a, just such a, a gigantically like un incomprehensibly giant market that there's so much liquidity there. Even the, the biggest investors in the world can park and retrieve vast sums of money and do so with huge liquidity so that's very advantageous for them and i think finally even if you could even if you did have a bank that had sufficient appetite for that deposit it was willing to accept um that big a liability onto their books you might consider the u.s government to be much more credit worthy than that institution mm-hmm. so you'd be willing to take take a loss to in, to increase the likelihood that you'll get that you can guarantee getting that money back at maturity, especially in one of these scary deflationary environments. So there's risk there's risk being valued in to that loss. So like lot. you're saying I'm willing to take a loss to reduce the risk. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Well it sounds like they're just passing it on to retail customers because they've got to pay that price and they don't think there's a good way to get rid of the money. Like they feel like they even at the negative interest rates there's not they can't do enough with the money so they're just trying to pass on the same cost to their customers yes rather than trying to incentivize anything right so that's the reason why we see it at, at the retail yeah. level definitely or that's that from the from the bank's point of view yeah is that's why they would go through this process of charging 
of you know charging people to hold money with them because as i point out they are uh, any deposit on a bank's balance sheet isn't an asset for them it's a liability yeah so and we've now got to the point where so under normal under normal market conditions they are willing to accept that liability because they can um simply put lend that money out at a higher interest rate than they um have to pay to the uh, depositor obviously fractional reserve shenanigans complicate that but that's the that's the general that's what they're trying to do um that's the general gist is be is have a net interest margin but we're now seeing as interest rates get lower and lower and lower and lower that they are unable to find a home for the deposits on their balance sheet that will turn them a profit so they just keep lowering they've, they've still got their net margin it's just that it's now being extracted from the people that hold money with them rather than the people that loan from them so now they can offer crypto <laughs> <laughs> think retail investors might want to buy our bags rather than keep the money in the bank something that could um illustrate to the normie the potential benefits of crypto i feel like being charged money by your bank to hold like 80 euros with them could be it Especially if they're also getting a sale from the marketing team at the same time being like, have you heard about these Bitcoin, big fella? Or there's a sale on Matic right now. <laughs> Get it while it's hot. We don't want to have to charge you 0.2% <laughs> on your salary every month. You're forcing us. If you want to pay 6% fees to buy some Bitcoin, could be worth a million dollars in two years or McAfee will cut his dick off. There you go, there you go. It is a real shock to the system when the normie hears about these kind of things. Like, I know that there was a, like, it wasn't that long ago. I'm pretty sure we covered it on the show. There was a mortgage given out in, like, in Denmark, I think Denmark, it was. Denmark, it is correct. And it was it was either a zero, in, zero a interest, interest rate, rate or it was a negative was, yeah. interest rate mortgage, which is pretty mind-blowing. But that like, that's actually a double-edged sword because um, if it's, like, a negative rate, a negative interest rate mortgage is also something that's going to tie normies to fiat for decades to come so but yeah i do think um it's positive news that banks can now custody crypto for crypto how could that possibly be bad news like it might not like like all things it might either get way overhyped in the short term or it might go really unsung for a really long time until people uh, until like it were much much deeper into the crypto like journey and then everyone realizes how much infrastructure has crept up while no one was uh looking at things at all but either way i can i can't see a situation where banks being able to custody crypto is bad for crypto just can't see it then we can finally get the banks on board yeah if they can make six percent by shilling everyone crypto we really will see it forced down the normies throats yeah. um is there any chance that in the UK we get negative interest rates? Because they're looking to talk about lowering them again. And we're at, what are we at now? 0.5%? Yeah, 0.5. But we've also seen them raise it a few times recently. We've been They've down to as low as... Once, haven't we? We've been yeah. down to a quarter percent before. Yeah, recently. but we've only got up to half a percent and they're talking about lowering it. And we are fucking it. Slowest, slowest growth in 10 years this quarter or something. Hold tight, Boris. <laughs> and our employment's at all-time high, so like we can't go much further that way. Seems like we could go negative interest rates, and that'd be mental. Yep. Although, 
I think there's a while before you get a central bank having a negative interest rate and uh, retail customers having to pay the pay a bank for the privilege of having an account there, basically. So I don't think we should be at panic stations quite yet. I'm just hoping the world economy is going to fail so finally ETH will be the global (laughs) currency. We're all open for that, mate. All right, so we're a while off yet. Ethan (laughs) Krugerrands. For our Canadian listeners... um, in the UK, we don't pay for our bank accounts on on the whole. Like when I was in Canada, yeah. I was shopping around for a bank account where which had the lowest fees. It's like a mobile phone contract where it's like you can have up to ten ATM transactions for free. Are you kidding? They all pay for ATMs out there as and well. I'm, it's like, I'm like, what? The person that I was with, who is uh, Canadian, she was just like, yeah, this is normal and I'm like what wow. <laughs> like what I can deposit one check a month what the <laughs> and they're like yeah yeah well that was an excellent little rundown Mr Prince yeah my pleasure Ken. Uh, and I'm wondering as that officially brings us to a close on the news do we have anything for Scoville Corner not this week Ken but I do want to put a teaser out there that I'm working on a little something maybe for next week and I think you particularly going to enjoy it, Ken? Fuck's sake! I cannot <laughs> wait. Do I need? Do I need to buy a new delete key? <laughs> no, just, actually, just for this segment. No, actually, you don't. The, be- the, the, the beauty of what I'm working on is, um, I don't say working on. The beauty of what I'm reading <laughs> is is that um, it's very normie friendly, okay. but it still qualifies for the Scoville Corner treatment. Oh, okay. I'm absolutely loving this. So is Beak. I'm devastated. (laughs) (laughs) I believe that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for joining us, listener. If you enjoyed this show, head on over to patreon.com slash crypto weekly and sign up for one of the membership tiers there. Let's say goodbye, though, friends. Good night, Mr. Prince. Good night, Ken. It's great to be back. Um, please follow me on twitter.com at hrhgeordiep that's at hrhgeordiep many thanks when was the last time you tweeted Prince? oh it's been a week or two (laughs) (laughs) now you're right I've been avoiding twitter like the plague for a while now but I'm going to get my arse back in gear and get back on there if you've DM'd me and I haven't replied or, or added me and I haven't replied I'm sorry please forgive me I will reply to you in good time. Hold tight. <laughs> good night, Mr. Crypto Beak. Good night, Ken. Good night, Dr. P Money. <laughs> good night, Ken. You can catch me on Twitter, at Dr. P Money. I would say good night to Bitcoin Buble, but he is not with us in the studio. He should be back next week, though. I have been your host, Crypto Ken. You can follow me on Twitter, at Crypto Ken Can. You can also follow the podcast, at Crypto Weekly Pod, on Twitter. I now must say goodnight to you, listener. Thank you for listening. It's been our pleasure to fill your ears with crypto news. See you next week.